You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. He says, in fact, I've been called to play football, but I don't want to wear the jersey. I don't need to represent the team. In fact, I don't know if I want to follow the playbook. I don't need to practice. Practice? What's practice? If you want me to run a pass route, Maybe you want me to run a post? Eh, I might run a slant. I will block who I want to block, when I want to block. And if I want to sit on the bench, I'll just sit there. Oh, by the way, coach, I really don't like Gatorade or water. I'm going to put a keg of beer there. And if I'm not happy with the team, At halftime, I'll just go over to the other team and I'll play on their team. And I'll sit there if I want to, or whatever. After all, I'm a football player. But I don't want to be a member of the team. If you win the Super Bowl, I do want to celebrate. What do you think the football coach would say? See ya, I wouldn't want to be ya, right? How would it impact the team? How would it impact the team? The chemistry would be off, right? The purpose. So today I want to talk about the importance of being a local church member. Being a member of the local church, because I think a lot of times we get the wrong notion of how important it is to be an active member of the local church. I'm not hearing a lot of amens. Yeah. I think that sometimes uh, we just don't grasp what the Bible says about being active and being a part and being a member. But the Bible, I believe, teaches otherwise. So I would say today that membership matters. When we trust in Christ, it's important for us to know that we are all added to the universal church. Everyone that has trusted in Jesus Christ is a part of the universal body of Christ. That's worldwide, and that spans generations. But God wants for every believer to be a part of a local church. And you guys that are here, I believe you want to be a part of the local church, or or else you wouldn't be here. Amen? So I put together seven facts from the early church that I adapted from an article by Pastor Mark Driscoll, who I think did a wonderful job with it, on the subject of church membership. And it goes from facts from the early church. How many of you have seen the commercial and they're going to buy a car, and this fox comes out and says, show me the car facts. 
I'm talking to you about church membership, and you guys, maybe you guys are testing out the church today. And you're saying, show me the membership facts, pastor. Well, we're going to go to the Word of God, and we're going to let the Word of God direct us and see if it is true. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for you getting us out of bed today and giving us breath to live. We thank you, Lord God, for you bringing us here to assemble in the name of Jesus Christ. We are, we are a part of the church worldwide, but we're excited for what you're doing here in, in Oracle, what you're doing here at Living Word Chapel. And as we open up your word, we pray that you will speak to us, that our hearts and our minds will be open to your guidance and your leading. And, and uh, when we leave this, this service today, I pray that we will all say it has been good to be in God's house. It has been good to hear God's voice through the preached word. And so use me, Lord, as, as a messenger, knowing that I am imperfect, but your message is always perfect, Father. So we pray for that in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. Show me the membership facts, Pastor. So the first fact, fact number one is, in the early church, they appointed deacons and elders, elders being overseers, to each local church. Elders were raised up to oversee those in the church. Here at Living Word Chapel, we are praying through this year, we're going to be adding some more elders and we're going to be adding some more deacons. Why are we doing that? Because the Bible appoints us. It leads us to raise up elders or recognize those that are being raised up by God to be elders, overseers, or deacons in the local church. Deacons are those that have been selected to serve those who are in the church. In fact, a deacon is just that, one who serves. And they're there so that members of each local body of believers would be taken care of. The Bible shows us in Acts chapter 6, the, the, the Holy Spirit birthed the church in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, and, and, and 3,000 were added to the church. And, and what we see from that is as the church began to grow, the apostles were leading the church, but they needed help. And so the Holy Spirit led them to, to get to this place in Acts chapter 6. Because how many of you know that wherever there's people, whether it's in the church or outside the church, there's a potential for problems? You ever recognize that? You ever, have you ever been looking for the perfect church? And you go to a church and you think, I think I found the perfect church. Until a month goes by. And you say, no, this church is not perfect. And then you finally figure out it's not perfect because we belong to it and we're not perfect. Every one of us. And so we see in Acts chapter 6, it says, In those days when the number of the disciples was increasing, that the Hellenistic, that means the Greek-speaking Jews, among them were complained uh, among them complained against the Hebraic, Hebraic Jews, that's, that's the Hebrew-speaking Jews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. 
So the 12, 12 being the apostles, they gathered all the disciples together and they said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men, men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nixoner, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on, on them, and voila, the first deacons entered into the church. And these first deacons were recognized because they were full of the Spirit, they had a good reputation, and they had a servant's heart. And what they began to do at that time is they began to serve tables. They began to make sure that the, the Greek-speaking Jews were being treated the same as, or the Greek-speaking widows were being treated the same as the Hebrew-speaking women. And how many of you know that even in a church, there could be prejudice that will try to arise? On this side, we have the Mexican-speaking, uh, Spanish-speaking Living Word Chapel. On this side, we have the German-speaking Living Word Chapelers. And on this side, we have the Chinese-speaking Living Word Chapelers. That's why you sit in your certain spots, right? I'm just kidding here. But the reality is that there's always a potential for there to be problems, but God always raises up leaders for those that are members in the church because the church needs to be taken care of. God cares about the church. Beloved, the apostles would never have appointed deacons if they did not have members in the church who had a need to be served. Are you with me? Notice that the leadership knew that they were responsible for the needs of those whom God put in their care, just where it says, from among you. In other words, they knew that there were people there that they needed to take care of. How did they know? Because people submitted to the, to the leadership of the church. Are you with me? People submit themselves to the work of God. And as other churches were planted and the gospel spread, there were deacons who were appointed there as well to take care of the needs of their members. So everywhere, everywhere that the church began to grow, because that's in Jerusalem, it began to go into uh, um, um, Judea, it began to move forward into Samaria, and then it began to go to the other parts of the earth. All over the place, churches began to be planted, and everywhere they were planted, leaders were placed because members of the church needed to be taken care of. Do you agree with that? The Bible says that Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. When we will put elders, the elders that will be added to the church, we have already been praying for months, and we will fast and pray as we put a deacon because the Lord directs us to place those that God has appointed as leaders 
so they can take on the responsibility of leading the church. And those that are in the church take the responsibility of hearing the voice of God through the leadership of the church. Amen? Amen. There has to be that trust. Fact number two, the leaders were responsible for giving an account for their leadership, and the church was asked to submit to their leaders. How many of you know that a pastor or an elder is not a job, it's a calling? There's a lot of responsibility that comes with that, and um, uh, this is the way the Bible puts it. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. And guess, beloved, here's the thing is that Pastor Bob, Pastor James, every elder here, we're not going to go to the superintendent of Walmart to give an account for what we're doing. We're going to go to the superintendent of the world to give an account on how we handle everything that we do. I think it's a, it, it's a fearful thing when you think about the responsibility of a pastor, of an elder, of an overseer. But it's a calling. And it says, let them do this with joy and not with grief. For this would be unprofitable for you. To be a leader, you have to have someone to lead. Just like a parent will lead the members of his or her household. I am so blessed this service because I see all these babies. I see all these babies. I see all these kids. And I'm like just gleaming as, as we were doing praise and worship because I saw the kids just excited about being in church. And, and how many of you know that as parents you have a responsibility to raise up your children? It's not the responsibility of other parents to raise up your kids. It's not the responsibility of, of, of grandparents to raise up your kids. You know, my daughter's going to be having a baby. We talk about this all the time. You know, that's, that's big in the Reese family. But you know what? My daughter and her awesome husband have the responsibility of raising up that baby. It's a member of their household, just like it was my responsibility and Shauna's responsibility to raise up our kids to become adults. And it's the same thing in the church. God has given us a body. God has given leadership a responsibility to be there and to hear the voice of God and to lead people with, the, with this always in mind that we will give a responsibility to Him for every decision that we make. We will give an account for their souls. When a local church asks you to become a covenant member, it's not a bad thing. You know, we've, we've gone to a place in society where, where we think that commitment is a bad thing. Hello? <laughs> You're like, don't be asking me to get committed, Pastor. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. If you find a church that has sound Bible teaching, that's what you need to look for. Amen? And the love of God is evident. How do I know this? Because in, in the book of Revelation, we just went through the first, the first church. See, Jesus wrote to the churches in the book of Revelation. And he wrote to the church of Ephesus and he said this. He said, I love that you guys, are, you guys do not allow bad teaching to come in. You don't let these uh, 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 Nicolaitans come in with bad teaching. You stand against it. And I commend you for that. But you've left your first love. You've, left, you've allowed love to leave uh, your, your, your existence of a, as a local church. Can I tell you, we should always embrace a church 
that has the love of God there. One of the greatest things that, that, that has been said about Living Word Chapel is there's a lot of love that's there. And I pray that that will be continual. That will, it will always be said. So you want to embrace a church that has um, uh, God's love evident there. And we need to embrace the leading and the presence of the Holy Spirit. When we go to a church where, where there's something that happens, there's a stirring that goes on in our hearts, the presence of God is there, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, have you ever been even just praising and worshiping and you just kind of, something just is happening inside? Your mind is stirring, your heart is stirring? That's because God's here. God's working on you and you embrace that. And, and when you find a local church like that, it's important that you connect there because you can grow, you can become all that God wants you to be there. And then you become a member. And it doesn't hurt you to sign membership. In fact, it actually says you're on the team. It's not hurtful. And guess what? You serve, you serve in the local church, and it doesn't have to be at Living Word Chapel. It's wherever God has placed you, where you see the move of God, the work of God happening, and you say, you know what? I want to become a member. I want to become an active member. I want to, I want to make a difference here. I don't want to sit on the bench. I want to wear the Team Jesus jersey. I'm, I know we're going to have a Super Bowl. I know that there's something happening. But I know that for those people that are going to the Super Bowl, think about it. All these people, they came together at preseason. They worked together. They went through the trenches together. They fought injuries. Even when people were injured, they would, get, they would stand up. The person on the, on the bench said, I'm ready to go. He was ready. He came in. He filled that spot. And now they're in the Super Bowl. And if a church has the same mentality in a greater way, you see, they're going to win a trophy that next year someone's going to win again. We're going to win a trophy. There's going to be a crown put on our heads from the Almighty God. Isn't that like super cool? And so we're going to be, we're, we're just, a, it's a greater, greater team. And we're all working together to do this. Oh, you're not going to like the next one. Oh, pastor, don't go there. But we learned this from the early church. It teaches us that they exercised church discipline. Pastor, don't be judging. Don't judge me. Don't we hear that? And the reality is that we, we, there's a certain way to judge. And I think that at Living Word Chapel, I, I think that most, not most, all churches that have the, the grace of God in the, as, as, in the forefront, we're led by grace, that uh, there, is, there is an openness, there's transparency. You hear that from the pulpit as well as from the leadership, and you see it in the congregation that there's not this, there's this binding legalism. But can I tell you, there's some things that need to be dealt with. Amen? How do I know that? Because the Bible shows us that there's things that need to be dealt with. Look at what the apostle uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. Now, he's writing to a local church in Corinth. And he says, I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Something that even pagans don't do. So he's saying, okay, so in the church, there's something going on around you that even the people in the world aren't doing. And let's see what he says. He says, I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. So if you're living in sin with your stepmother... There's something going on. 
we've got a thing going on. Right? And he goes on, he says, you're living in sin with a stepmother, and you are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. And you should remove this man from your fellowship. Even though I am not with you in person, I am with you in the spirit. And as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man in the name of the Lord Jesus. You must call a meeting of the church and I will be present with you in spirit. And so will the power of the Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan. So that his sinful nature will be destroyed, for he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. Notice that he's talking about, we want some restoration to take place. Someone say amen. Your boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads throughout the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, because we've all come from something, right? But with the new bread of sincerity and truth. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about the unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or, or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. Because we're supposed to make a difference wherever we go. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. That's in the Bible. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it is certainly my responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge the outside. But as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. How many of you know that, that God, he knows that it does more harm than good to let things slide? If things are not dealt with, it can spread and hurt a lot of individuals and sometimes destroy a church. You see, beloved, membership in the local church, it embraces God's guidance and it embraces God's discipline because it's healthy. And it's not blind submission. See, you're not supposed to submit to anyone blind. That's a cult. That's where you walk around going, uh, we all have a choice to be here or not to be here. Amen? And that's a good thing. You have a choice to be wherever you're at, and that's a good thing. But there's biblical submission. And biblical submission says, Lord God, I'm going to submit to those that you place over me. And especially that are leading by the, the um, example of your word. You see, 20 years ago when I came to this church, I was a mess. I was a mess. I, I could have been categorized on everything that when the world, the Drunk, greedy, sexual immoral, 
Check mark, check mark, check mark. But God doesn't want us to stay there. And when you submit and, and the love of God directs you, the love of God leads you, can I tell you something? It's even, it's a wonderful thing when you begin to move away from that. Because if you continue to be a, a, a cheat and greedy and worshiping idols and, 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 uh, and sexual immoral, it doesn't matter what you do, where you go, you're going to destroy not only your own life, but everyone's life around you. People that cheat destroy people. People that are having sex outside of their relationship and marriage, you're going to destroy your wife. You're going to destroy your children. And so why in the church, when you, why in the church wouldn't God say everything has to start in the church? We are the beacon of light for the world. Amen? Amen. We welcome anyone that comes in from the world just how they are. Just how they are. I don't care how they dress. I don't care how they talk. They don't know any better. We never knew any better when we came in. I had no idea about church. Not God's way. I had an idea about church, you know, man's way. But when we come to Christ and, and the Holy Spirit comes into our heart, he begins to change us from the inside out. He begins to move in us. And can I tell you, when you come from the world, you don't submit to anyone. You cuss out the president if he doesn't do anything you want. You, you, you cuss out the, the, the governors. You, you cuss out the school teachers. My, my daughter, fifth grade, uh, she was substituted in the fifth grade. She's, she's been subbing in Yuma. And uh, she, every day she called me with which grade she's subbing. And she said, Dad, fifth grade today. How was it? Oh, Dad. <laughs> Kid came with, um, with uh, bullets in his pocket and... Uh, uh, I said he had a gun, they, they, sent him, they sent him home, suspended him. The day before that, little girl told my daughter, can you believe this? My daughter, <laughs> F you. <laughs> Fifth grade. We, in Lordsburg, when I was growing up, we didn't do that until the sixth grade. Can I tell you, beloved, so we come out of that lifestyle. We come out of that world, and, and, and we don't know any better. But when you come into the church, you come into the presence of a holy, magnificent God, and life begins to change. And so, yes, we begin to deal with things. And, and can I tell you, raise your hand. No, don't, don't do it. Don't raise it. Raise your hand if anyone in Living Word Chapel has ever disciplined you from leadership. Don't raise your hand. You don't have to. <laughs> the reality here, has it been good for you? Has it been good for us? You know, have you ever been off course and, and someone because they love you, especially someone in leadership like a, like a Pastor Bob, a, a Benny Silva, a Paul Mockby, a, a Mike West, a, um, um, you know, George Madrid was an elder for a while. You know, have they ever come alongside and said something to you that might bring you back to that road we need to be on? It's good for us, amen? So church discipline is good. Fact number four that we find from the early churches, they kept, they kept numerical records. In the church, they, 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 they kept track 
of people. At LWC, we do a connection card. We count who's been in church because each person counts to Jesus. Do you think that God knows each member of the church? In fact, the Bible says that every believer is written in the Lamb's book of life. So you tell me, well, you know what, what are you keeping track of me for? You don't have to be nervous. If you put your name on the connection card, are you nervous for us to pray for you? Are you nervous for us to encourage you? Do we get nervous about God using leadership to move you from one place to another? If you've given your life to Christ, isn't it a wonderful thing to get baptized? According to Jesus, it is. Because he went and got baptized. And so we count that and we say, you know, we had 43 people in 2013 that got baptized. 52 people that got baptized in 2012. So many in 2011. And all these, and you went up to about 300 people. Do you think God is pleased with that? Yeah. The early church kept track of those who came to Christ. Peter was preaching, first sermon he ever preached. It said, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, You need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And then he went on with many words, many words, many words, many words. So when you say, Pastor, you're going on, and I'm just following the scriptures. With many words, he warned them and pleaded with them. He, remember I talked about uh, Charles Spurgeon last week, that Charles Spurgeon, if people are damned to hell, make them jump over you. Warn them. Tell them, you know what, you don't want to go there. He, with many words, he, he, he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted the message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Why did Luke, the doctor, why did he write that down? Because people count. It does not hurt for you to be counted. The church doesn't put evil spells. We don't work that way. The church prays blessings. We're on God's team. And it says, it goes on into the last verse, they were praising God and they were enjoying the favor for all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I was so blessed because someone came to me and said, Pastor, last week you, you talked to us about praying. And he said, I, 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 I started praying for my job, my coworkers. I was having such a hard time with them. This week I started to pray for them. And you would not believe how there was a change. Can I tell you, beloved? The Bible says that we will have favor with all people because of the living God. But we have to pray. Fact number five. They kept record of the widows. 
How many of you know that God cares about widows? When they're connected to the local church, the overseers are aware of their needs. Let me just say this before I go into scripture. How many of you are aware of the widows that are at, at, at the church in Mammoth right now? The Baptist church in Mammoth. How many of us are aware? Why? Because they're not in our church. We care. We pray. Amen? But we know who are the widows in our church. We do a funeral for their husbands. We begin we, in, in our staff meetings. If you were in our staff meetings, you would hear us. And we, every, every week we ask, who's out? Who's not, who hasn't been here? Let's pray for them. Let's check on them. Why do we check on you? Because we care. And because God cares. And the widows that are not here, we say, you know what? There's an elder that needs to go see her. There's a pastor that needs to go see them. Why? Because the Bible says so. Look at this. Take care of any widow who, is, who has no one else to take care of her. This is an order for the church. But if she has children or grandchildren, their, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. Do we hear that? Parents, uh, I mean, uh, children or anyone here a child of someone? Anyone here a grandchild of someone? It says take care of your grandparents and take care of your parents. The Bible says that. Show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. There is something that, this is something that pleases God. Now a true widow, a woman who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays night and day, asking God for his help. But the widow who lives only for pleasure is spiritually dead even while she lives. So the Bible differentiates a true widow and one that's not. Amen? As far as to be taken care of. Give these instructions to the church so that no one will be open to criticism. How many of you know that even in the early church, just like now, people criticize the church? Well, you're not taking care of my grandma. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. A widow who is put on the list for support must be a woman who is at least 60 years old and was faithful to her husband. She must be well respected by everyone because of the good she has done. Had, has she brought up her children well? Question mark. Has she been kind to strangers and served other believers humbly? Has she helped those who are in trouble? Has she always been ready to do good? So the Bible gives us some instructions on how we look at this. The younger widow should not be on the list because their physical de desires will ever overpower their devotion to Christ and they will want to remarry. Do you think this is true? Younger widows, you still, there's, there's still something going on in your, in your, in your estrogen? <laughs> I still got it, you know? He says, don't, don't put them on the list because there's some dude that's going to say, how you doing? Then they would be guilty of breaking their previous pledge. You see how the Bible protects? And if they are on the list, they will learn to be lazy and will spend their time gossiping from house to house. 
meddling in other people's business and talking about things they shouldn't. I know that no one at Living Word Chapel First Service ever does anything like this. So I advise these younger widows to marry again, have children, and take care of their own homes. Then the enemy will not be able to say anything against them, for I am afraid that some of them have already gone astray and now follow Satan. The reason for that is because when you're young, you have a potential to want to still have a relationship. I'm not going there. I could. I could go there, but I'm not. If a woman who is a believer has relatives who are widows, she must take care of them and not put the responsibility on the church. Then the church can care for widows who are truly alone. Do you notice how the early church gives us a very detailed instruction of how the widow should be cared for? I love this about God's Word. And biblical membership is so instrumental in making this work out the way it's supposed to work. If you follow the biblical mandates, it will help us to honor God. Fact number six that we find from the early church. They had an awareness of who was a church member. I did a, I did a sermon on, on Romans 16 a while back, and you remember how Paul is admonishing different members of the church in Rome? Anyone remember that? You know, they, they knew who were the people that were there in the church. Paul was, he was outside writing to the, to the church, and yet he knew the people that were there. In verse 1, he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who was a deacon in the church of Centria. We're sending someone to you that, that, that we know she is an active member. She is vital to the church in Centria. Right? In verse, uh, in verse 3 and 5, he says, Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Jesus. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. There is a specific location where these people come together. And Paul is saying, those members there, I want you to greet them and give them my love. Because they recognize that they were entrusted to the work of God at a certain place. Romans 16, 14 says this. It says, Give my greetings to Ansyncritus, Patrobus, Hermas, and all the musses in the house. <laughs> and the brothers and sisters who meet with them. So he recognizes that there's members there. Notice that the early church had an awareness of members because membership is important. Beloved, when we submit ourselves to biblical membership, it makes us say we want to be counted as people of God. And when people are looking, they'll say to you, how's he doing? How's she doing? I get calls. I get calls from, for example, my good friend Greg Marufo in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And he'll say, how is he doing? How is he doing? How are they doing? You know why? Because they know that they're members in the church. They know that they're plugged in. Another good friend of mine, Robert Gondra, he'll call me. He'll say, how is he doing? How is he doing? How's this couple doing? 
They know that because you're connected in the local church. Fact number seven. A last fact. And I know you guys are saying yes. Most of the letters that were written to local churches, most of the epistles, oh, okay, most of the epistles or the letters were written to local churches. In other words, they were writing to specific people. And it tells me that the church had to be organized and they had some kind of membership. They were just not random letters. 1 Corinthians begins like this. I am writing to God's church where? In, say it with me, Corinth. And then in, in, in 2 Corinthians, he says, I am writing to God's church again in Corinth and to all his holy people throughout Greece. He specifically is, is, is looking at people. And then Galatians puts it like this. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches in, say it with me, Galatia. Ephesians says, I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. Beloved, I'm going to close by saying this. Membership matters because you matter to God. And His desire is for us to be connected to a local church. Not blind submission, but biblical submission. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Lord, I want to thank you for um, this second service. I mean, second service, first service. <laughs> and for every blessing that, um, that you provide for us. It is important, Lord God, for us to be counted. It is important for us to be on the team of Jesus. For us to be a part of the local church. For us to submit to you primarily, Lord God, and to those that you have chosen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.